Have you ever felt trapped? Have you ever felt swept up in the concerns and struggles of life? Have you, have you ever felt seized by your emotions or thoughts or desires? Have you, have you ever felt isolated or alone, even in a crowd of people, because the challenges of your life made you feel like it was all up to you? Then pay attention to this story from Mark's Gospel this morning. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Mark writes, Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Let us pray. These are your words, O Lord. Your word is the truth. Lead us into the truth. Amen. So when you think about Jesus' life and ministry, what what are the things that you think of? Healing the sick, raising the dead, miraculous feedings, great parables, and other teachings. At least that's, that's what I think of. But it is important to notice today that as Mark tells the story of Jesus, Jesus' first act in his earthly ministry was an exorcism. His first act was to cast out a demon from a man possessed. Now, that may not have been Jesus' intention. I think he intended to preach on an ordinary Sabbath day, an ordinary Saturday as he gathered with his fellow Jews for worship. But it was not an ordinary Sabbath day for this unnamed man in Mark's first chapter. By the way, I think he's unnamed for a reason. When you're suffering like this man was, you feel alone, like nobody even knows your name. And the day he went to the synagogue in Capernaum was no ordinary day because this man had no ordinary days. He was possessed by an unclean spirit. Now, I struggle to make sense of what that means to be possessed by an unclean spirit. We don't don't talk about unclean spirits very much in this day and age. What did that mean? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe it meant this man suffered from seizures. Or maybe this man was extremely depressed. Or maybe he had a stomach ulcer or some other disease or ailments. In other places of Scripture, unclean spirits cause people to injure themselves, beat themselves up, and worse. Maybe that was the case 
with this unnamed man. Whatever it was, right? We can be sure of this, that no day was ordinary for one who was possessed by such a spirit. Each day would have been lived in isolation, right? Who, who would want to spend time with, with a man who foamed at the mouth, who, who beat himself up, who was prone to convulsions? Each day would have been one filled with doubt and guilt. How often this unnamed man would have wondered why he was the way he was, right? Why is God doing this to me? He must have said aloud on the many sleepless nights when the shaking and and violence of the unclean spirit kept him awake hour after hour. And as he gathered that day to hear Jesus speak, I wonder what was on his mind. Right? He, he probably sat in the back, way in the back, to avoid being noticed, away from the others who would have surely scoffed if they knew who he was. As he gathered, he gathered alone, filled with doubt, suffering terribly. And midway through the service, as Jesus, the Word made flesh, preaches and teaches this man and his unclean spirit can take it no more. He stands up, he interrupts Jesus saying, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Did you notice that? This man is so, he's so possessed that he refers to himself along with his unclean spirit as us. You want nothing to do with me and my unclean spirit, do you, Jesus? You're holy, but I'm not. And this spirit and I, we're, we're going to be destroyed, aren't we? There's no room for people like me, is there? I have come to worship, but, but me and, and my unclean spirit, we're going to have to go now, won't we? That might be a fair description of how we feel sometimes, too. However we gather for worship. Here in the sanctuary, in our living room, across radio waves, or accessing online worship, we may sometimes feel possessed by something, too. Guilt, shame, embarrassment, addiction, Sickness, loneliness, fatigue. What is, what is gripping you today? What is isolating you today? What is causing you to shrink in the corner, hoping no one will see you, hoping no one will expose you? As we talk about God's love and care, we may at moments want to stand up and shout, but that's, that's not a message for me, is it? You're talking to someone else, someone more deserving, aren't you? If you only knew my story, you'd throw me out of here. Reach out and unplug my radio, stop my live stream. Sometimes it's our guilt and shame that says that, right? I know. I know that each of us has a skeleton in our closets, shameful enough that we wouldn't want anyone to see it or know about it. 
We all have things in our distant or recent past, and if the details were ever published in the newspaper or on Facebook, it would bring us to our knees. And when such things possess us, they can fester and boil until we almost stand and shout, I'm a fraud! And those words you're saying about God's love and care cannot be for me. God has not come to save me. He's come to destroy me, hasn't he? Hasn't he? But maybe that's not you today. Maybe it's something else that possesses you today. Other times it's our pride that clutches us. And as we listen on the radio or worship live online, we silently hope that God will speak a powerful word to those who really need to hear it. I'm good. But I sure hope God can straighten out my neighbor. I sure hope God can teach my husband or my wife or my mom or my father, my son, my daughter, my sister, my brother, a thing or two, you know. They, Lord knows, need to hear it. Pride and its cousin apathy can sometimes possess us when we gather for worship too. Whether we come possessed with the conviction that we're too good for God's word or too pitiful, we almost always come to worship clutched by something, possessed by something. So what possesses you today? And what's Jesus going to do about it, right? That's why we pay attention to stories like this one from our gospel reading today. That's why the story of this unnamed man is so important to us because it's really our story. So pay attention to what happens next. When the unnamed man stands up and declares his unworthiness, when he stands up and says for all to hear that he's not holy enough to be taught, to be talked to by this Holy One of God, Jesus begs to differ. Jesus opens his mouth and speaks an authoritative word, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit possessed him no more. Jesus only speaks the word, and this man who was gripped so tightly by uncleanliness, by self-doubt, by guilt and shame, is gripped no more. He is made free by the mere word of Jesus. No one else can speak a word with such authority, but then again, this is no ordinary preacher. This is Jesus. This is the word of God made flesh. Right? You remember that word from the first chapter of Genesis. This word merely said, let there be light, let there be land, let there be stars and and a moon and a sun and the sky and cows and trees and birds and people and it was so. He simply utters the word and something happens. And when this Jesus, right, the word made flesh, tells the unclean spirit to quit possessing, it is so. When this Jesus says between the lines, right, my child, you are welcome here, it is so. And all were amazed, but the unnamed man was more than amazed. He was transformed. Transformed from one who was on the outside looking in, from one who was unworthy, unholy, unclean, unwelcome, into a child of God. 
With one breath of air, one utterance of the word, Jesus made it so. The unnamed man was unnamed no more. He needed a new name, reflective of a new state of being that Jesus' word, God's word, placed in him. We'll see throughout the Gospel of Mark that this word of Jesus will continue to do what it wills to do. With one word, he will heal the sick, calm the storm, raise the dead. This is the word of God at work. And when he says something, it is so. Yesterday, right here in this sanctuary, God's word was at work as Harper Christine Anderson was baptized. And in that moment, God's word rescued little Harper from sin and death and named her as God's very own. God said, this one, this one belongs to me forever and ever. And it was so. That's how God's word works. When it says something, when God says something, it is so. This very same word is on the loose and among us today too. He is present in the hymns we sing, the scripture we read, in the bread of communion, in the promises made even by this sinful preacher. His word works across time and space, across radio waves and electrons and high-speed internet too. And we who are possessed by something this morning are ripe and ready to hear it. For my sake your sins are forgiven says this Jesus to you today. It is a word that both humbles and lifts up. Those of you who are possessed by the darkness of sin are lifted up and told boldly that this is a God who will never let you go. Those of you possessed by pride are powerfully yet graciously humbled, reminded that all you have is a gift from God, given not as a reward for your tremendous faithfulness, but by grace, despite your sinfulness. Your sins are forgiven, says our Lord. You are welcome here, says our Lord. You are my child, says this word from God, this word of God, and whatever he says, it is so. Better still, there are more promises made by this Holy Word, the promise that what ails you now will one day be no more. Addictions, diseases, troubles, poverty, struggles that eat at you now will one day be simply cast aside. That day may come in this lifetime, but it will surely come in the next. When this world has had its way with you and battered you enough to take away your last breath, when you lie in your grave finally having succumbed to death. This word will have one more, one more thing to say to you, right? This Holy One of God will have one more word for you. Get up and enter into my eternal kingdom. And just as this word has done what it wills every time before, so it will be again. And get up, you will, and raised from death, never more to die, just as it was for our Lord Jesus Christ, you will enter into eternal rest, the eternal peace that only the Word of God can give. Grace and peace to you 
holy ones of God, for the Holy One of God is speaking to you today. In our hymns, in the words of Scripture, in the peace and greetings we exchange with one another, God's Word is among us today, speaking. This is a word for you. And joy of joys, it does what it says. Forgiveness, new life, and humble joy are yours, for this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.